Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Welcome back to another joyous Astros postgame show. We're 2-0 and on postgame shows, and the Astros are 2-0, and of course, just nine wins away from the World Series. Hey, why not look at it that way? Here with my co-host, R.G. Seal, the Astros win the second game 8-2. to R.G., just opening thoughts from you on this one. Well, it's another great win. You have to say when the Astros are able to go up 2-0 in a series, it's a best of five. That's exactly what you want to do. You want to be able to protect home field. It's almost got that video-type scoring the first couple of games here. And remember, we left the show yesterday talking about Carlos Correa and George Springer being shut out in game one. And guess what? Come back in, in game two, and there's Carlos Correa, first inning with a home run. That was kind of a decisive swing, set the tone against Drew Pomerantz, the Red Sox starter. And then, of course, Springer also with a home run in the game. And uh, you just have to say the Astros really, A.J. Hinge, the way that he put together, constructed the lineup for these two games, the way that these players played the first couple of games, Jose Altuve game one with the three home runs, getting strong efforts from Justin Verlander, Dallas Keuchel, a a gutty uh, effort as well for game two. Gave up a couple of runs, but or excuse me, he gave up a run over uh, almost six innings of work there. So you have to uh, look at that and and say that the Astros definitely they held serve. They're going to Boston now, and it, it's pretty exciting to know that you're up 2-0 and going into Boston, and you have basically the Red Sox on their heels, backs up against the wall. Yeah, if you look at this Astros lineup, RG, it's pretty unbelievable. The first five hitters in the lineup are all over 1,000 for their OPS. Uh, You look at George Springer, he's slugging 750 with the home run in this one. And then Alex Bregman had the home run in the first game. He's slugging 778. Jose Altuve, just ridiculous. I mean, he starts off with two singles, then the Red Sox just walk him intentionally twice with runners on. He's got an OPS of about 2,800 somewhere in that neighborhood. That's pretty good. And then Carlos <laughs> Correa's, uh, like you said, he's rolling, uh, hits the two-run home run. Evan Gaddis, even, 833 slugging, 625 on-base percentage. And then, you know, you just bring Carlos Beltran off the bench. Mr. Money in the postseason, he comes in, gets a single, bam, that that easily. Uh, Josh Reddick, oh, he's struggling at 286 with a 375 on-base percentage and a you know, 286 slugging, but, uh, you know, that, that is struggling these days for the Astros. It, it just doesn't seem like it was that long ago. In some ways, I guess it was some other dimension that the Astros were in 2013. They, they, they had guys that, Hey, if, Hey, they're hitting 250. Let's call up mom and dad and let them know Astros got a guy that's hitting 250 and it's now, you know, you only hit 250. What, what, what a slug, what a terrible guy you are. You know, you're just weighing down the team. Well, we've watched a lot of Astros lineups throughout history, and this is the the only one that you could possibly compare it to would be maybe what there are a couple of ones that you could compare it to would be the 1998 team, of course, where they were loaded, and the and the 2004 team that had you know Carlos Beltran and and Jeff Kinn, in addition to Bagwell, was still hitting in that lineup. That was his last year of kind of regular activity as it's still hitting and then you had uh, Craig Biggio and of course you had Lance Berkman you know that's the only but even then you still had Adam Everett and uh, you know Brad Ausmus in that and, and that lineup so uh, you really have to uh, say throughout the Astros history never have seen a lineup like this and when you can hit Brian McCann who's an all-star catcher as we know from his days back with the Braves and the Yankees 
and just the kind of way he's been able to slug home runs over the years when he's batting ninth in your lineup. And Marwin Gonzalez, who we talked about, is batting eighth, uh, the, the X factor, the guy that was uh, always a key contributor to the Astros this past season and had the, the key hit in game one that made it a four to two game. Again, that guy's batting eighth. Yeah, and then you mentioned the top four and all the uh, the OPS all over a thousand at Altuve at first two games, almost twenty eight hundred. So, yeah, I, it's really kind of amazing. And uh, yeah, this is not your mom and dad's all star or excuse me Astros lineup. Well, hopefully the starters that the Astros just pitched the last couple of games are saving their best performances. I mean, they were good, but we know we've seen Verlander and Keuchel be better they, they have a 2.41 era in their two starts which is not shabby at all but they weren't their sharpest but still you know when you've got that offense it, it just makes such a difference because those guys can run out there they can pitch with confidence they can throw strikes you know you're not worried about oh no how are we going to score if i give up three runs something like that so the astros hitting 343 as a team according to uh, the chronicles joseph Duarte. so pretty amazing stuff and also, RG, I would encourage anybody to, to look for this on the, on the web if they haven't seen it. Carlos Correa uh, wrote a piece for the Players' Tribune called H-Town, Our Time Is Now. I, I, this, I guess, came out on Thursday, but just a, a, a fantastic piece. Uh, talking a lot about the fog machine being the team MVP early on, but he gets into uh, what this means to the city and, and how much he has fallen in love with the city of Houston and it's just you love these guys these guys are just such fun guys to root for and you feel like they've already got a connection in just a short amount of time to Houston which is it's kind of remarkable and and I think you know when something like that happens obviously it brings the city you know closer but maybe it brings the sports teams closer to the city and it understands the character and the kind of people that you're dealing with. But uh, Correa was a really nice piece, I thought, in the Player Tribune. Well, and Correa backed that up, too, with his performance. Again, we spoke about it, having the home run in the first inning, having four RBIs on the day. And, again, he's one of the Astros' uh, cornerstone franchise players, and that's what you want to see in October, too. When the, the limelight's on, when everybody's watching, that's when you're going to be able to perform. So, uh a thing we have to kind of also look at here is, again, another Red Sox picture that was ineffective. Yesterday, it was Chris Sale. And today, starting after game two, it was uh, for game two, it was Drew Pomerantz. And really, I mean, his you could see there with his curveball, it, it wasn't as sharp as it's been in, in the past. And, you know, it, it, he relies on that for the change of speeds and uh, being able to have that going well for him, his breaking pitches, because he doesn't have a really fast fastball. His fastball tops out 91, 92 miles per hour. And so, you know, it didn't have that bite and that sharpness to it. And the Astros took advantage of that. But one thing that happened that they did see a left-hander who was effective against him came in with the bases loaded, of course. And uh, that was uh, David Price, who the Astros still, uh, I mean, the Red Sox are using him as a weapon in the uh, the bullpen. It's lucky maybe they aren't seeing him as a starter because they were able to get to Drew Pomerantz. And they have uh, Doug Fistrick, looks like, coming up in Game 3 who has uh, an under-two ERA, his career is uh, postseason, really good postseason numbers. 
but uh, you would have to say that's somebody you would rather be facing than a you know former Cy Young Award winner and and the, the potential problems that he could give. It, you would much rather go against a Doug Fister, who at this point in his career has basically been a journeyman. I mean, he was pitched with the Astros last season, was let go, and uh, yeah. So I mean, for the Astros looking ahead to Game Three, it's always on the next game. You got to be able to close out series when you have a team, you know, holding them on the ground here by their necks, you know, with basically backs up against the wall, uh, you have to be able to close these teams out. Yeah. You look at the uh, Red Sox lineup. The only guy that's really done much so far is Mookie Betts. He's got a, a thousand OPS. Han- Hanley was all right in game one. I-, I told you that Chris Young was a guy I did want to see. He gets a double. He was one for two in this one. Then they pinch it. Moreland Moreland was over two uh, when he came in the game. But Moreland's been an Astro killer, too. So the days with the Rangers, you know, so you have those two guys that are always, uh, you know, going to be Astro foes, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and Young just, I don't know what it is, but, you know, he loves being back home in Houston maybe. But I, I guess I think he's also doing the same kind of damage on the road. Uh, Brad Peacock, we're assuming we're recording this right after this game's over with, RG. I haven't heard. Have you heard A.J. Hinch make an announcement yet on the Game 3 starter? Well, I have not heard yet because we're literally recording this right after uh, this is at game two is finished. So I'm assuming that like you are, everything up to this point has been that it's going to be Brad Peacock. It'll be interesting to see who he when A.J. Hinge pencils up out his lineup, who he maybe makes unavailable for a, a game four. Because now, again, with the Astros having a 2-0 cushion lead, they can save uh, Justin Verlander for game five. And if they you know, were to advance, it's good to have Verlander for game five. Then you would have Keuchel going into game one in the ALCS. So it'll be interesting to me to see who the Astros leave as the guy that they wouldn't be pitching in game three and all the other hands would be on deck. So, for instance, if they do start Peacock and they put Char- Charlie Morton as a guy that is not going to pitch along with, you know, a Justin Verlander, well, that would mean that Charlie Morton is going to be getting the game four start probably. And then or if they have it with Lance McCullers and Jace, uh, Verlander, you know, those type of uh, decisions that are that are going to be made. And, and so it'll be interesting just to see. You know what the announcement is as we're recording this. Probably somebody will be saying, "Oh, they've already announced what the game three starter is." Well, yeah, that's part of the thing about a podcast. Yeah, but the th- the thing, the, the key thing, RG is, but more than anything, is the Astros won the first two games, so you know you don't have to bring Justin Verlander back for game exactly. four, and that means Justin Verlander is, uh, you know, if everything goes okay, and you can take take him out in the next couple of games, one of the next two games. Uh, then you got Verlander ready to go, fresh and ready for that first game uh, in in the ALCS. You know, assuming you get there, of course. Well, what this does too is what I just said as well too. So you either have him for a game five, or you have Justin Justin Verlander for a game five, or you have him fresh for a game one in an ALCS, right? Uh, or you have if he has to pitch the game five. Now you know you can start two different starters for game three and game four because it's not must win for the Astros and they can always come back home and do it. Of course, they'd like to close it out, but uh, that, I mean, that all the pressure's on the Bosox. But in that case, then when you come back uh, with Dallas Keuchel, you don't have to pitch him in this series anymore. I mean, you could if you wanted to out of the bullpen or left-handed situation or something is happening in a game five and, you know, you have to go to, to, to for whatever reason, you'd have to use like Keuchel in an emergency situation, but you can basically save him now for game one of the ALCS. So that really helps out AJ Hinge too. So you have, yeah, you, you can take out that whole, 
well in a game four, might have to start Verlander and a Keuchel in game five. So now having won these first two games, protecting serve, that's why it's been so so vital, so important. James Harden in the front row. Uh, other Rockets uh, news happening as the game or as the day progressed. Uh, Tillman Fertitta officially becomes Fertitta officially becomes the Rockets' owner, and I, I didn't even know this. He'd been a Rockets fan uh, since the San Diego Rockets when he was 12 years old. So I, I didn't realize he, he went back that far uh, in, in his love for the for the Rockets. But, uh, you know, just uh, last thing, RG, any, any last points well, you want to make? Wait, wait, before we go on about Tillman Fertitta, this isn't the Rockets postgame, it's an Astros postgame. So probably should mention about, like, the way the Astros have built this organization. And, again, with uh, Jim Crane when he took over the Astros in 2013, you know, they lost all those games, over 100 games for three straight seasons. You know, Je- Jeff Luno, the way he's built this ball club, really has a lot of strengths. And I, I think that that's something – uh, you see just how deep this roster is that the Astros have their core. We know they're Altuve, they're Correa, they're Springer, they're Bregman, but they've added the veterans that we've spoken about, uh, Reddick and uh, Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran. And, and the, the, that's been a real help. And then, of course, getting Justin Verlander at the trading deadline and replenishing the bullpen. And speaking of the bullpen, there's just one thing. I know that, you know, there are going to be some Astro fans that are listening out here. Maybe you're among one of them, but you know, for Ken Giles to come in in the ninth, I know it was garbage time and he was getting his work in and hasn't pitched for a while, but still, you know, he looked like the shaky Giles, the the nervous Giles out there where, you know, kind of missing his spots and ended up giving up uh, a couple of hits and a run. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to feel comfortable out there until he proves it when you have maybe, you know, uh, what, 40, 45,000 fans in Boston or Cleveland or New York, and he's able to quiet them or even, you know, in front of uh, the home crowd, and he's able to protect that one-run, two-run lead in the ninth inning uh, because that's something that he still has to prove. I'm glad he at least got it out of the way. If he's going to have a bad postseason out, I'd rather have it with all these runs uh, as a, you know, reporting here on an Astros podcast and being Astros, lifelong Astros fans. Rather have him mess up now, but it also gives me some cause for concern. Are you feeling the same way? I always worry about Giles. I only feel like I've spoken about it 4,000 times in this podcast during the year. But, hey, uh, I got to run, RG. I got things to do today. Uh, as we, uh, we're, we're mentioning this, I still got a little work to do. Uh, working on a high school show for Channel 11 that runs on Saturday mornings. Inside High School Sports, quick plug for that. But uh, the final score in this one. Uh, eight to two Astros win, take a 2-0 lead. They've got control of this series. Uh, everything going the Astros way. But hey, if you're an Astros fan, you've seen it happen before. Maybe if you're old enough, go back to 1980. They were up 2-0. They lost uh, in five games against the Philadelphia Phillies. So hey, you never know. Just one at a time, one at a time. But they're they're one win away from moving on to the next round. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to RG. And we'll talk to you again soon. For more interviews, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes. Or if you're an Android user, download our free Houston Sports Talk app in the Google Play Store. We're also available on Stitcher or the TuneIn app. And our website is HoustonSportsTalk.net.